Recovery is stupendous. Achievable. Hope. Freedom. 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 Empowering. It's unique to everyone. It's a journey, not a destination. Getting a new lease on life. Finding restoration after you fall down. Recovery is having the freedom to enjoy life. For me, it was finding a way to really love myself. My recovery is possible in part because of my own sense of purpose. Welcome to Montana's Peer Network Recovery Talks Podcast. I'm Jim Haney, Executive Director. And I'm Alex Schweer, the Project Director at MPN. Welcome to all of our listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. We have another great show here lined up. Yeah, we're excited to to talk to you and hear, you know, talk talk about how our December is going and also hopefully hear from you guys after the podcast some of your thoughts on what we're talking about and also your plans for the holidays. Yeah, yeah, and then of course we have uh we have a guest later and we talking about what's going on and yeah. Yeah, lots of, uh, it's never a dull moment here at Montana's Peer Network. There's always lots of stuff going on, but we are in the holiday season. Yes, we are. And so, um, yeah, I think this, like, well, there's a couple things I know we want to hit on, but one is, like, I just want to put it out there for people, the, um, you know, the, how do you maintain your recovery, or what do you do to maintain your recovery during the holidays, right? Because... That can be uh, stressful for for some of us. Yeah, whether that's stressful because hanging out with family can be a little bit stressful or whether that stress comes from it doesn't necessarily meet all your expectations or you end up not having family around in the holidays, that can all make your holidays difficult. Absolutely, absolutely. And also holidays are notorious for uh, times of... uh, consuming alcoholic beverages. So for those of us in recovery that way, um, that also, I think, can present uh, can present challenges. Yep. So what are some of your tips, Jim? What do you do to, you know, maintain a healthy recovery during the holidays? Yeah, I, I think the first the, the first thing is, um, you know, through, throughout my recovery, I've always been very choosy about what I do and where I go, um, you know, people invite you, Hey, come on over. And I really, you know, I have to think about like, who's, who's all going to be there and what the environment might be. And is that conducive to my recovery? Am I around other folks in recovery? So then like everything's cool or am I going somewhere and people are going to be, you know, throwing back some drinks and, you know, and nothing wrong with that. But for me, there is. And so, I think for me, that's the first piece is to just consider what I'm doing. And then, you know, the last um, the last handful of years, I've really used the time to kind of recharge my uh, inner inner soul, if you will, and get out. Uh, snowshoe. Um, I usually go in Yellowstone Park this time of year, take some time off of work. Um, so, so relaxing, but also getting out and, you know, getting out into the snow big snowshoer, take my camera, take some winter pictures, and that helps me recharge and helps me stay uh, on the on the path. So I think that's what I do. What, uh, what says you there, Alex? <laughs> well, I think a big part for me is making sure I'm around people um, and have something going on. So uh, my parents don't live in the USA, so I'm headed east coast to go hang out with some friends um, over there. 
And yeah, that's an important part for me is that, you know, my mental health is also part of making sure I have people around me who are positive um, and a good environment. Um, so yeah, that's one of the bigger things for me. I'd say also getting outdoors is super important. Um, yeah. This past weekend, I went out skate skiing, which is type of cross-country skiing nice. for nice. the first time um, this winter, and I forgot how much hard work it is. I kept <laughs> stopping, and I was like, oh, can't breathe. <laughs> Too much yeah. cardio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I went a few weeks ago. I went to Yellowstone. I brought my snowshoes, got there, and there was like two inches of snow and I didn't need my snowshoes um, but it was snowing at the time which always makes it uh, extra beautiful and you know you get out I get out pretty far out there and uh, of course there's nobody around and you're just there with the elk and the bison and you know and it's snowing and makes it kind of magical but yeah I was really surprised that was just a few weeks ago there wasn't much snow but I think we're supposed to get some yeah, so, hopefully it's on its way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think with the holidays, you know, and for listeners, think about that and, and plan it. You know, what are you going to do and how are you going to take care of yourself? And do you need to let people know around you, you know, um, that what's going on for you or what your plan is or how you need support? Because sometimes people don't know and they overlook that. And it's like, oh, it's Christmas. Everybody should be cheery and happy. Like, you know, this sort of given. But for many of us who have symptoms... Sometimes it's not, and sometimes it can be really, really rough, so. Yeah, so make sure you have your, your supports there around you. Find new supports, too. I know a big thing for me when I'm in a new environment is figuring out what's going on in the community. So, yeah. I don't have family in the area, but I know yeah. in Livingston, for example, there's a community um, Christmas dinner, dinner going on. Yeah, yeah it's big. Great. Lots of people go to that, too. Really big. And yeah. you can volunteer. Yep. So you don't have to be just somebody who just goes and has dinner, but you could volunteer, and that could become part of your holiday uh, season is volunteering and giving back. Yeah. Exactly. Yep, definitely. Yeah. The Warming Center also, I want to do a little shout-out for them. So the Warming Center in Bozeman is also looking for volunteers. Yeah. Too. Volunteering is a, is a great yeah. way to give back during the holidays and also meet new people. Um, if you don't have people around this holiday season and you want to meet new people – volunteering is a great way to do it um there's a lot of individuals who just go out on their own and do that and then you can you can yeah. all meet and have a similar sense of purpose yeah great way to get out of your own stuff too yeah by helping sure. helping others so all right so uh alex tell us about tell us a little bit about our our uh our guest we're gonna have on the show yeah, so we have jesse wheeler on this week um he is going to talk to us about data and collecting data for um, for recovery programming. So whether you're a peer supporter um, who's working with peers and you want to know, hey, what should I be asking them about to know, you know, how our programming is working, or whether you're an agency who's saying, listen, we need to start collecting this data, data, whichever way you look at it, um, <laughs> you know, what do we need to include in that? So Jesse's um, a part of the show this week or this month, and he'll tell us his thoughts. He owns um, a company called Recovery Data Solutions, so he's got some good tips in there. So hope you listen through the podcast to hear about that. 
Excellent. And that's a perfect segue to uh, our webinar. Um, so every month we do, uh, we have a webinar series that we're doing and the webinar always ties in with the podcast. So, um, you know, if you tune into the webinar and obviously in an hour, I mean, we can't go too in depth on subjects, but trying to give people really good information and materials and that sort of thing. If you want to know more about it, then the guest on this podcast is always tied into the subject matter. So we're trying to connect that together for folks and give everybody good resources. And the webinars are always the uh, the third Wednesday of the month at noon. And so the next one is going to be January 24th. Okay. And you can always look us up on Prezi. So, yeah. So even if you miss the webinar, um, then you can check us out on Prezi um, and see what we talked about during the webinar. It gives us, it yeah. gives you our whole presentation. Right. So that might be good to pair with the podcast if you've missed out on, yeah, a webinar itself. Exactly. Exactly. And we have a bunch of peer support trainings coming up, peer support 101 trainings. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Let me tell you about it. So okay. not only do we have peer support 101 trainings, but we've got, Jim, you're going to Cut Bank, right? I'm going to Cut Bank, folks. I'm going to Cut Bank. If you're listening to, to Cut City. Bank, I'm going to Cut Bank. <laughs> we have never been to Cut Bank. I've been all over the state. I've been everywhere, really, across Montana. I've done presentations everywhere, but I have not been to Cut Bank. So get in touch with us if you, if you want to meet Jim and Cut Bank to talk about peer support yeah. on recovery. He'll be up there. That's January 12th, right? January 12th. It will probably snow a foot. So... <laughs> But he'll be there, rain or shine. Coldest. I think they had, they used to have a thing in Cut Bank. I was there like maybe a decade ago, and they had a big, if I remember right, and maybe it's still there. If it is, I'll get a picture of it put on Facebook. They used to have a giant penguin there, and it had a sign. It was either holding the sign or the sign was in front of it, and it says, coldest place in Montana, and it had the temperature on it. And I couldn't remember. I don't remember what it is, but yeah, we'll see. Because I, when I was there then, it was like summertime, you know, so... But I, I totally remember it. I remember pulling in there thinking, ooh, yeah, I bet it does get cold here. <laughs> like, you can see Canada from Cut Bank. So <laughs> uh, now I'll be there in January. So we'll see if it holds up as being the coldest. So we'll be waiting for Jim's picture in front of yeah, the Penguin. Exactly. Um, if it's there, I'll get a picture and we'll put it up on, on Facebook. So January 12th, we got that Cut Bank um, talk that Jim's giving um, yeah. and also the Penguin picture to look forward to. Then... We have up next Peer Support 101 in Helena. That's January 22nd through 26th. And that training is full. It's full it's already? It's full. Wow. We're a month out wow. and it is full. Wow. So thank you guys all for signing up for that one. Um, if you want to be on the waiting list, if people drop out, let us know. But if you didn't make it to that one, it's fine. We've got two other peer support trainings coming up. We've got March 5th through 9th in Butte. And, Jim, we've already had people sign up for this one. Yeah, 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 Butte. A lot of interest in Butte. And, and, can I do the announcement now? Can I say the Yeah, Jim's the got another news? announcement. So it has to do with Butte, right? So we didn't know where, like, where do we throw this in? So Montana's Peer Network has been funded by the Mental Health Trust to uh, take our recovery coaching program that all of you know, uh, probably heard about over and over again. Uh, we've been running it in Gallatin County. We're taking it to Butte, to Silver Bow County. And so that's going to be starting in 2018. We're really excited. Woo! And uh, thank you to the Mental Health Trust for believing in us. 
and giving us the funding to pilot that project in Butte. And so couldn't be perfect timing because we got this peer support 101 training uh, coming up in Butte in March, and that'll be just like perfect timing. Yeah, so we're super excited to come to Butte. So that's March 5th through 9th. If you can't make it there too far away from you, then we're heading northwest up to Kalispell April 2nd through 6th. Um, so we're looking to sign people up for that training as well. Like I said, the Hellenist one's already full, so you can't sign up too early. Get those applications in. If yes. you need the application, shoot me an email. Um, or, or you can get the application off our website. Or it's on our website. Good point, Jim. Right. Because sometimes we get inundated with emails. We do. And it's nice when some of you actually go to our website and download it yourself and fill it out and send it in. Yeah. We get so, a lot of requests. Go to our website main page, click on trainings from trainings, peer support 101. And in the FAQ on there, you'll find the application. Exactly. Fill so, it out, get it sent in, get registered. Yeah. What exactly. else we got going on? All right. So two more things I want to point out that we're doing. Um, also in Helena, on February 16th, we've got a clinical supervisor training. So if you are supervising peer supporters, we'd love to have you come out. That's February 16th in Helena. For that one, um, you don't need to use the website. If you could just email me directly um, and let me know your contact information so I can get you registered. And what's your email, Alex? What's Alexandra at mtpeernetwork.org. It's also written all over our website, both yes. of our emails. Yes. Um, yes. So you can reach out that way too, find our email that way. Yeah, and we just finished up, I just want to mention the clinical supervisor training. We just finished one up in Billings, and we had, was it 15, I think 15 clinical supervisors there. Uh, yeah, and keep us updated. If you know that, hey, I can get together a bunch of people in my community to come to this training, let us know because yeah. we'd love to come out there, but we yeah. got to know, we gotta who know wants where, it. where you are. Yeah, right. yeah, we got to know who's interested. So I want to talk about, I want to throw in one here that's on a national level. So this is not a Montana Peer Network thing. This is part of the recovery movement. Um, Alternatives Conference, uh, which is the largest, uh, the big national recovery conference, people in recovery. It's put on by people in recovery, run by people in recovery. Anyway, they announced the dates. Uh, it's going to be G July 29th through August 3rd, and it's going to be in Washington, D.C. this year. And last year it was in Boston, and I know some peer supporters from Montana went. Uh, it usually moves around the country. So this year it's going to be in D.C., July 29th through August 3rd. You want to find information on that. Um, I did put something on our Facebook page about it, um, but if you go to uh, the National Coalition on mental health recovery, or if you just Google Alternatives uh, 2018, it'll come right up, and they, they have the information up there. So you can start uh, reserving your uh, uh, rooms and get the time off work or whatever that you need to do. July 29th through August 3rd, highly recommended to people. Been there a bunch of times. It's really great. Lots of conferences, or lots of conferences, lots of workshops for people to go to. You can learn all about what's happening, and it's all people in recovery. So, a little pitch for alternatives. Great. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Cool. All right. Okay. What else have we got going on, Jim? Well, you know, I thought I would talk a little bit about, um, it's the time of year, like people are buying gifts for each other for whatever holidays you're celebrating or not celebrating or, right, whatever you're, this is a holiday season. And so, you know what would make a really great gift for people? 
what would make a really great gift for people? Well, it's something that's really popular right now. Like when I go to the store, I see these things all over the place. Um, is it a kind of food? It is not a kind of food. Okay. You don't um, eat it. You don't eat it. What is popular that you don't eat? I don't know. I give up. So fidget spinners. Fidget spinners. Right? I mean, kids are like totally into these things. Teenagers. I mean, I know, you know, I stopped and got some uh, gas for the car this morning. Went in. I got a water. I go to the counter. And what's sitting right at the counter? Boom! A box full of these spinners. Okay? In case you didn't know, you can go to the NPN store and we have our very own fidget spinners. Woo! That's right. That's right. And the best part, they're only five bucks. Only five bucks? Five bucks. I mean, whether this is for you or this is a gift for somebody else, you know, you're giving something and it's something small. Like sometimes, you know, offices or groups of people will trade gifts and they'll say $5 limit or $10 limit. This is Five is for your white elephant parties. There you go. Perfect. Five bucks. Five bucks and you get yourself an MPN fidget spinner. Go to the MPN store. You can order it right on there. We'll send it out to you great time of year to get yourself a fidget spinner. So if you want to find the NPN store, go to our website, um, mtpeernetwork.org, and then you can click on the store from there. Um, and we have lots of other stuff on there as well, not just fidget spinners, but we have our Healthy Minds, Healthy Bodies books and, you know, t-shirts. So whatever you're, you're thinking for your white elephant party or for your friends, yeah. gifts. You, you got somebody who's in recovery, you know, friend that you want to buy a gift for, Go to the MPN website and uh, click on the store and go check out. We got a bunch of gifts on there you can get at all price ranges, too. So, all right. All right. Alex. Yeah, so. What is the what is the recovery tool of the month? Recovery tool of the month. This is one that I am a huge fan of. Um, I use pretty often. It's an app. It's a website. Um, it's called The Mighty. I don't know how many of you have checked out The Mighty before, but um, how they say what they are on their website is The Mighty is a digital health community created to empower and connect people facing health challenges and disabilities. They have over 1 million registered users, and they put this on their website, thought this was a cool fact. They're adding a new user every 20 seconds. Wow, that's impressive. It is pretty impressive. I wish we were adding a new podcast listener every 20 seconds. Yeah, come on, guys. Help us, help us do that. <laughs> so the Mighty offers, it. how I think about it is it's like a newspaper um, or an online newspaper, and it has all these articles that are related to health. So you can, if you struggle with anxiety, for example, you can type in anxiety at the top as a topic list, and it shows you all the articles they have on anxiety. So since we're in the holiday season, I looked into self-care for the holiday season and found okay. a great article um, about self-care tips for the upcoming holiday season. Um, and it mentioned some of the stuff we were talking about earlier. So okay. I thought one of the interesting ones was it talked about alcohol. So how, you know, holidays seem to push this idea that in order to be jolly, you need to celebrate by eating and drinking. And the article says... That's false, especially for people with addiction. The holidays may seem very horrifying. Avoid any situations that may encourage the use of alcohol. Ensure you have a safety net and support around you and always ask for help if needed. So this was one of the, I think there was eight or nine tips they had on there for self-care, mental health self-care during nice. the holidays. But there's articles on everything. So 
Um, it's not just mental health. Um, there's also things on physical disabilities um, and other issues as well. It's a great website and a great resource to have. Lots of different contributors. Totally recommend it. Sounds fantastic. How do I find The Mighty? The Mighty, if you just type into Google The Mighty, it'll come up with a website. Um, I notice as well that people who are in the mental health world post about this all the time on Twitter. There'll be hmm. articles linking to, you know, different stuff that's on The Mighty. So you might have already seen it um, and not realize what you're looking at. So, yeah, take some time, check it out, um, and become a user on there. The Mighty. Check it out. Highly recommended. Montana's Peer Network. Okay, that's our recovery, recovery tool of the month. We want you checking these things out, right? Adding to your recovery toolbox. The Mighty. And if you have other ideas for recovery tools of the month, shout them out. Email them to us. Put them on our Facebook page, on our Twitter. We'd love to get more of your ideas because a lot of these ideas we have, they're through the grapevine. We've heard through someone else that they're right. using it. So yes. tell us what you're using, and we'd love to, to talk about it on here. Exactly, exactly. All right. So we did a poll last uh, podcast. Yeah. We're working on this polling thing. I, I kind of made the mistake of sending this out too late because we have a great Facebook following. You guys are all awesome. But I posted this a little late. I posted it yesterday. I should have I given it some time for people to respond to the poll about, you know, what do you think are the most important data points to collect um, in a recovery program? Um, and so we heard back from a few of you. But we'd love to hear back for more on um, upcoming polls. What were the options? Were op we yeah, had yeah. client satisfaction was one of the options. Right. Which is important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, time the person is staying sober. Right. Time time you're staying clean and sober, which uh, that's, that's important. Yeah. And we had low overhead costs. So the financial people love that one. <laughs> they love that one. You know, the bookkeepers, the accountants. But the big one... The one that we saw as really the, the best answer is return on investment. So what does that mean, Jim? Well, that means very simply, you know, any any product. I mean, in this case, we're talking about peer support or the program costs. What does it cost you to run the program? What's the return that comes back to you? So that can be measured in a lot of different ways. It could be measured as cost savings uh, total cost savings. It can be like a reduction in the amount of uh, crisis services that somebody uses, right? So that can equate to a dollar amount also. It just really depends. And that's really the big one. When you start talking about adding, um, when you start talking about adding programs into your service model, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, you want to be collecting data. And there's data like the general stuff that I call it. It's sort of like you know, the demographic stuff, like that's that's pretty commonplace. Like most people have been doing that for a long time. What we haven't been doing in the recovery world is recording the return on investment. And that you have to kind of dive down deeper into the program because it's so specific to each program, depending on what the program's doing. But that's where you're trying to determine what what is the cost savings? What is the benefit uh, that's coming back? If I'm setting up this program all the time, the energy and the money that's going to go into a program, what's the return that's coming back? Great. All right. So, uh, 
yeah, the simplest way to explain it, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and so we are going to talk about this more in depth um, and look at the reasons why collecting this sort of data is important with Jesse Wheeler. So without further ado, we'll... yes, let's let's talk to Jesse. data solutions. So, Jesse, can you tell me a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. Uh, and first off, thanks for, for having me on the podcast. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to get to talk and, and uh, share my passion about what we do at Recovery Data Solutions. So first and foremost, um, I'm a person living in long-term recovery from a substance use disorder. And <clears throat> my recovery has, has granted me several opportunities. I've, I'm able to pursue an undergraduate degree in engineering, um, I'm, you know, own and operate my own company, which we're going to talk about a little bit more. And uh, most importantly, I'm a father. I've got a beautiful three-year-old daughter named Siva. And, uh, you know, it, it makes everything worthwhile, right? Um, I, uh, I started Recovery Data Solutions. We're a consulting firm that focuses on helping behavioral healthcare providers really hone in on the data and, and metrics that um, produce outcomes, right? Um, we, I started this organization a, a little over a year ago because of the fact that I, it just there, there seemed to be a huge oversight in how organizations collected it. In my experience working with a couple of different organizations, it kind of seemed to be an afterthought. And uh, knowing that you know lives are at stake <laughs> for, for uh, without being super dramatic, uh, it knowing that the work that we're doing is so important, it seemed that there was a huge opportunity to aid these organizations in um, better collecting and reporting on and acting upon uh, what they're doing through data. Yeah. And I mean, do you think they weren't collecting it because they didn't think it was important? Um, and how do you talk to people about the importance of collecting this data? That's a good question. Um, I don't think that it was because they viewed it as, as unimportant. I think it's just because everybody's taxed so heavily, right? Everybody's got a lot of job responsibilities. A lot of organizations require people to wear different hats. And uh, it's it's often not a primary skill set that people have uh, working with data and, and, you know, building collection systems and so on. Um, it's exceedingly important as we continue to move forward uh, with, with additional funding opportunities and so on. To, to collect and report on this information and collect this data in order to be able to prove efficacy of programming um, and improve programming, you know, first and foremost. But then that really ties into generating revenue down the road. Um, you know, a lot of organizations are grant funded. Those grant funders are going to want to see uh, what that money is going towards and how, how effective it is. Great. So we're talking broadly on this, but even more specifically, can you talk about for a peer supporter, um, why is it important for them specifically to be collecting data? Well, the peer supporter or the organization that's, that's supporting the peer supporter needs to be collecting data on the interactions and, and the quality of life of the, the program participant or the patient um, in order to really assist in improving either the curriculum that the peer supporter is implementing, if they're working with life skills coaching or anything like that, 
or, you know, to, again, scale out the program, be able to hire more peer supporters down the road because you can prove effectively uh, what kind of impact is being made uh, in the lives of the people that receive peer services. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting point, that first one you made, too, about it's really important to know what you're doing well and what you could change up and what you're doing to, to help people better, because ultimately, that's our goal, right, is to be helping those other people. Absolutely. So let's say I'm working as a peer supporter at an organization um, and, you know, their data collection is pretty limited and I really want to go in um, and talk to my boss about data collection. What should I be saying to them? What are the next steps? Well, it's it's really important to put together, even if it's a, a minimum, um, you know, viable product, right, but some kind of strategy, uh, meaning, you know, what are you going to be using the data for? Are you going to specifically be using it to improve the program and, and the outcomes of the program? Or are you going to be using it down the road to solicit, you know, additional funding or, or a combination of both? Um, identifying what the data's purpose is, is essential in, in kind of creating the framework for collection. Um, so what I would what I would strongly suggest is is really figuring out what are the, you know, one or two biggest goals that your organization has, and it could align with the mission and vision or any other strategic plan that you have in place. Um, I would suggest that it does actually. Uh, and then identify how data can really support that. So if an organization wants to um, hire two additional peer supporters in their community, what would that take? How? What are the, the funders that would be able to make that happen or, or donors? And what kind of information would you need to collect in order to, to be able to prove that? So or prove that it's worthwhile and, and a, a wise investment. Um, so one of the, the things that I like to use is, is called the assessment of recovery capital. It's a really strong um, assessment tool that, that was developed in part by Bill White. Um, and it really helps um, measure uh, across 50 questions a lot of the key components of SAMHSA's definition of recovery, right? House, home, purpose, community, and it helps measure those in terms of, of quality of life of the individual. And you're, if that assessment is, is um, conducted over multiple periods, you know, three, six, nine months, um, that really helps in, in measuring um, the, the change and flow of, of the participants' um, quality of life. And that's, that's a really key component. Um, both in advocating for additional funding and identifying, as you said before, um, opportunities to really improve the quality of care that, that these organizations are, and you as a peer supporter are providing. Great. So when you're looking at these you know, questions you want to be asking um, to be collecting data, what are some things you might want to avoid as an agency or a peer supporter um, in asking you know, the, the peers you're working with? Um, you know, what do you want to avoid asking? Um, you will, that's a tough question because it, it's really dependent upon what what the goal is with the data, right? Um, when constructing any kinds of assessment tools or, or data collection systems, however, it's really, really important to be mindful of the language that's going into the questions. Um, a lot of organizations need uh, could, could have an opportunity to focus on um, improving the language of their assessment tools by making sure it's trauma-informed. Um, culturally sensitive, uh, unbiased, that's a huge, huge, huge piece when, you know, if you're drafting up a survey from scratch, um, it's really essential to ensure that the, uh, the data that you're collecting isn't through a, a questionnaire that has um, any opportunity to lead the, 
respondent in such a way that it could skew the overall data. Right. So when you're talking about that, it would be, you know, saying a question, for example, like Alex Schweer is the best peer supporter I've ever had. Yes or no. Um, That will be an example of a leading question, right? Yeah. Or even more subtly, like um, on a scale of one to five, how much did you enjoy working with Alex Schweer? Um, You know, that could be restructured or rephrased as please rate your experience on a scale of one to five and, and, you know, define that parameter of what one and five means, but, you know, really removing any um, positive or negative language from the actual question is, is really important. That's really interesting. And I think that's an important thing to look at because, I mean, I don't think we're purposefully trying to lead people into making, you know, a certain answer or a certain decision. Um, but yeah, without thinking about it, that can sometimes happen. So that's really important. Um, once you collect data, where do you recommend people store it? Is this just an Excel sheet that should be somewhere on their computer? Well, it depends on a couple of different factors, right? It depends on um, the resources the organization has available, um, the regulations that the organization um, needs to comply with, and you know, um, obviously feasibility of, of sharing that data. So if an organization has several different people, sometimes potentially in remote offices or, or spread out geographically, having an Excel spreadsheet on your desktop computer can, you know, kind of limit the opportunity to, to collaborate and, and to make sure everybody's got access to the data when they need it. Um, Compliance, as I stated, is also a really, really big uh, factor. If you receive any state uh, block grant funding or federal uh, SAMHSA dollars or anything like that, you're more than likely subject to, to HIPAA, high-tech regulations, and, and you know if, if you're focusing or providing any substance use treatment services, 42 CFR Part 2, which is a regulation that requires um, consent for, for any kind of information transfer. And I don't want to get technical or, or too far into the weeds there. But um, ensuring that the data is safe and secure is also important. A lot of organizations I work with uh, are more than equipped just using uh, Google Apps uh, and, and the G Suite that, that's available. Um, as long as you're able to set up a business associates agreement with Google, uh, which is relatively easy if you have admin access, you can go in on the back end and get all that paperwork taken care of. And that ensures that your data is safe uh, and secured, both at rest and in transit, meaning that wherever it's at uh, or whoever's viewing it, it's encrypted 100% of the time. Um, And then it just falls on the organization to ensure that nobody um, who doesn't need to have access to it gets access to it. Great. So some of the big takeaways I'm taking out of this is um, make sure your data is safe wherever you're storing it. Um, You want to make sure you're not asking leading questions when you decide which questions you're going to be be asking for data collection, um, that you're being trauma aware, and that also you're thinking of what your goal is before you're setting out the questions that you're asking. What are some other tips you have um, for people collecting data? Absolutely. So, I mean, it, it's uh, there's a lot of different ways to collect data, right? There's um, You can collect it through surveys, you can collect it through focus groups, um, you can collect, you know, secondhand reports from the peer supporters themselves. There's a lot of different ways to collect it. And um, it oftentimes is really important to uh, kind of not necessarily pick one and go with it, but 
sure that you have a primary source and, and supplement it as needed. So if I'm if I'm working on collecting, you know, information that describes the demographics of the population that an organization is working with, I'm probably going to do that through a survey tool. If I'm uh, you, conducting the, the assessment of recovery capital, that would also be done through a survey tool. If I want to get a little bit more qualitative with the data that I'm collecting, uh, I would like to probably conduct a focus group and, and get more, you know, in-depth uh, feedback from program participants, peer uh recovery supporters and get really more meaty feedback than just on a scale of one to five. How, how did you rate this experience? You know what I mean? Great. Yeah. I think those are all fantastic tips. Um, let's say I've listened to this whole podcast, but it still seems really overwhelming to get my agency involved in this. How can they get help from someone like you? So what kind of services do you offer and how do they get in contact with you? Um, that, that's a good question. We're really, really excited to, to help out any organization that needs it, right? Um, we provide services uh, from the, the first step of strategizing and kind of identifying how to use data, how to collect it, and, and really make sure it's actionable uh, for the organization because there's a lot of ways to, to collect data that's in the, in the long run not going to be valuable or, or worthwhile. Um, and then we from that strategy, you're able to help organizations work on implementing systems. You know, we, we offer uh, configuration support and, and rollouts for different software uh, solutions. We can also, you know, if needed, um, develop custom software solutions for organizations. Um, and then uh, after those systems are in place, we like to also work with the organizations on interpreting that, that information that's collected. You know, um, we're big math geeks here. Uh, a lot of organizations don't necessarily like to to get in and, and run statistical tests to ensure validity and and reliability and, and that's that's what we like to do. So if, if that doesn't sound like something you're interested in, you can definitely uh, lean on us for that as well. So wonderful. And most importantly, how do they get in contact with you? Yeah, uh, we have a, a website that you can contact or you can check us out at. It's recoverydata.solutions. Uh, or you can also just uh, email me. My, my email is jesse at recoverydata.solutions. Awesome. Wonderful. It was great talking to you, Jesse, and having you on. Um, I think this is a really important piece of peer support that often gets overlooked. Um, there's just so many other things going on, um, and it's important to talk about um, and get people thinking about so they can, you know, make sure they're getting the funding they need um, and showing the, you know, efficacy of the, the programs they're running. So thank you for, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I I, uh, I really appreciate the work that Montana's Peer Network and the rest of organizations across Montana are are accomplishing and helping people recover. I mean, that's that's why we're all doing what we're doing, right? Exactly, exactly. Thank you. So to close out the show, uh, we, we've got a poll for next podcast, right, next month. And uh, since it's a new year, what better time to talk about resolutions? So the poll is, uh, what is your recovery New Year's resolution? Yeah. So, you know, write us on Facebook, on, yeah. on Twitter, 
um, and let us know what your resolution is. So, What are you going to do in the new year? It's 2018. You got 12 months. What do you want to do? And pick something that you can stick with the whole year. Yes, yes, yes. Smart goals. This is where I'm doing my little pitch for smart goals, right? It's you can't just say, "Oh, I'm gonna, you know, be a millionaire." I mean, like, how are you gonna get your goal? How are you gonna get your resolution? You know, what are you gonna do? Um, yeah, let us know, and uh, we'll pick some of the ones, the best ones, and we'll uh, we'll share them on the podcast next month. Yeah, and share yeah. the specifics too. I mean, if you've got a goal of going to the gym five days a week. If you haven't gone to the gym once, that might not be a great goal. But if you say to us, I've been going to the gym twice a week and I want to up it to three times a week yeah. for 2018, great goal. Awesome. That's awesome. So, exactly. Exactly. And I want to say uh, thank you to everybody, really. Um, 2017 has been an amazing year for Montana's Peer Network. We have really um, reached many of our strategic planning goals. Uh, the recovery movement is live and well in the state of Montana. Uh, we have peer sports certification. Uh, our membership is booming. Uh, we're getting near the eight, uh, 900, I was going to say 800, we're getting near the 900 mark in terms of membership. Uh, it we're is, over 400 followers on Facebook, Facebook and we started a Twitter. We started a Twitter account. Yeah, we started a Twitter account. I mean, this year, the webinars, the podcasts, all this... There's so much happening, and it's all you're all a part of it um, by tuning in, telling your friends, hey, you know, there's this peer network. They do these kinds of things, and wherever you want to get involved, the affiliates, you've been able to develop oh, these please affiliates. Come to our support groups. We've got yeah. them in Bozeman, Butte, Helena, Billings, and we're excited to have yeah. you joining us. Yeah. So please yeah. join our support groups. You can find out more on our resources page on our website. So shout out to our you know, board of directors and also Teresa who are all running absolutely. support groups. So absolutely. Looking yes. Looking forward to more of those in 2018 too. Exactly. Exactly. We want to bring more of them on, on board. So we have, have even more. We want to just keep expanding. We keep growing and there's more and more peer support programs and the, the system is shifting to a more recovery oriented system, which is our mission. And so we really looking forward to 2018. Want to say happy new year. Um, have a great holiday, be safe, and uh, keep tuning in. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Thanks. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works, recovery is possible. Recovery is possible. (laughs) Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery works and recovery is possible. Recovery is possible.